2: and coming to you live bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail wow hey everybody welcome it's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on we've got a great show for you today uh Benny, did you see the Kentucky Derby by chance? Or? I
0: did, Pat. It was quite the race.
2: It was. Did you hear my little story from the last show?
0: I certainly did, and uh, I, I did have to correct you on the uh, what the amount was at, what the stakes were. What at. was it? What was it? It was it? eighty to one shot. So yes, uh, that it was, was like one hundred and sixty-three bucks, wasn't it? Something like that. And they actually uh, submitted, or I guess they introduced the horse. I believe it was maybe Friday night or Saturday. So yep. it was just a. Last second entry because of a, uh, yep. a one horse decided not to race. So that was crazy. And I've been watching the replay over and over again. And I know it sounds pretty silly, but I, do you remember the movie Seabiscuit? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes. I had And that Secretariat. St- okay, exactly. So that was almost like an imaginary, like it was happening again. The little guy yeah. that just crushed it through the pack and just stormed up front. I mean, it was amazing.
2: It was amazing. Yep. And when I heard the uh, trainer, I believe it was the trainer, the owner described that 30 seconds before the deadline, <laughs> the owner of the scratched horse put his horse in. Yeah. And when I heard that, I had the app in my hand, the whole thing. And then I got an <laughs> SOS call. Now, clearly the SOS call was more important to me, <laughs> but it really was that indecision. And I should have just went with my gut. But you know, one of the things you learn in your making decisions and when you're in the world, there are tools that you have. It's really interesting, Benny, because over the past couple of weeks, I've had a very extraordinary uh, situation with my breath, with breathing. And and there's no mistake that as I'm going through this journey, and I rarely have this, I'm one of these people like when you put the little finger thing on you know, the finger thing they put on where you measure your oxygen. I'm like 99 100. Right? That's me. But I had this really interesting experience. And then I got this book, because Linda, of course, beautifully scheduled Linda Starwolf to join us here today. What do you think the name of the book is? This is really how the universe works. Shamanic breathwork. Now, if you're having problems with your oxygen level, and then you get this book, not only, I got to tell you, Benny, can I hold it up? Jacob, you guys. Yeah, go for see, it. We're ready. See that book? I love what Linda Starwolf does. I love it. Now, when I grow up and come back, I want to be her. I want to <laughs> have her wisdom. I want to know how she knew I needed to really look at this. <laughs> But the bottom line is shamanic breathwork. Listen to this, the nature of change. Now, how do you go from an oxygen level that your naturopath doesn't like your doctor doesn't like and you get a book and you open it and you start to read it. Then you read about our story. Then you read about, oh, she's going to help us do a scan. Then we're going to go through the book. We're going to pick up a little tools and your breath work. Plus, I had Pam Bright praying for me and a bunch of other people. But you could see your little oxygen finger thing. I don't know, Linda, if you've ever done this, but you could see as you're following the instructions and you're doing this, you can see the oxygen level change. How do you describe it? Shamanic. (laughs) Linda, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for joining me here today. I know you weren't expecting to hear any of that,
1: but that is like a true deal. I love hearing it. You always have something really great to share, and I love to hear it. And like I said, I love it because you are so in the moment. You're so present with what's going on, and you believe in the synchronicity and what I call the shamanic world where everything is talking to us. And going over here, trying to tell, us, trying to talk with us all the time, and communicate with us. Nature's always got something to say if we're willing to listen.
2: Well, let me ask you this question. I mean, certainly you're you you have studied. You're Dr. Linda Starwolf, of course. You've studied, but you're journeying. And I say you. I'm not saying you have journeyed because you are journeying. You continue to journey. You continue to really look at what we now need in the world so this this latest from you and you're the creator of shamanic breathwork so let's just say that but there's something about it because let me ask you this how many of us are literally holding our breath
1: I would say that well I find myself holding my breath you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's so much. We're in shamanic times. We're in, you know, whether you believe in prophecies or predictions or biblical or, you know, all stories and uh, from around the world, mythologies around the world. We appear to be, in the outer world at least, and I think we can feel it on the inner world, in one of those epoch times, epic epoch turning point uh, Gene Houston called them "termas." Yes, times when things they are a changing. The last time I felt this much energy was, quite frankly, in the 1960s. And yeah, and it's like you know, everything old is new again. Everything is up for revision again. Everything is up for let's look at it again. Is it still applicable? Is it something else that needs to happen? And so it is not only with the world; it's that way with individuals, and that ever so often. And whether you could say it's astrology or uh, just the times, whatever it might be, coincidence, whatever synchronicity. What would you call it? I what call would it. you call it? Tell me, tell me what well, you I would would, call it. Well, I think all you of the would, above. You, would, you would, exactly. All yeah. of the above. I would call it <laughs> that. You know, shift happens, you know, and that when it doesn't, we're in a holding pattern. And that's frequently when I find myself getting sick. It's not to blame me or shame me because we all have places where it's almost impossible for lift that foot up and take the next step. It's scary. It's unknown. We've gotten kind of comfortable where we are, even if we are beginning to feel discomfort. We're kind of like the baby in the birth canal that saying, but I wanted to stay in here. I don't want to go out. And yet the contractions start happening. And until it gets uncomfortable enough, we won't move. We just won't. Yeah, it's just it is. So if there's a certain amount of discomfort and I call it the fire cycle that has to happen in order for us as human beings to make that shift and that change.
2: But let's talk about the fire cycle. I didn't know I was going to talk about this with you today. But it's also part of what you're talking about. Can I tell you this? Um, when I opened the book, it was fascinating to me because I knew, I knew I would get something interesting. But what I didn't expect to get was chapter by chapter, a call to action. Now, there are a lot of books I could pick up. Um, but this, this was different. I don't know if it felt different for you. Very different, but something here you have been called to bring forward. Did you feel that pull to make this book, you know, less about reading and
1: more about experiencing? Absolutely. You know, with everything that has been occurring in our outer world, especially over the last, let's just say since to the end of 2019. Okay. Whatever, whatever anybody feels about it, thinks about it, believes about it, whatever, everything has been about not being able to breathe from, you know, the pol- police with the, the, ne- uh, the knee on the neck of someone who couldn't breathe, yep. who died. Yep. Okay. Yep. My father who passed in 2020, he was a policeman. So I have great respect for yep. the police. So it's not that. But people in authority, having their knee on the necks of those who cannot breathe in many ways in many different ways and everything that has come after that you know with the pandemic that has you know when it's global what again whatever people feel about that but people could not breathe you know they could not catch their breath they couldn't breathe and that was the biggest symptom is the oxygen levels going down and you know having to be intubated or whatever it might be <clears throat> and not being able to breathe so I look at, my, my spiritual teachers have always said, as above, so below, as within, so without. It begins somewhere else. Now, whether you're a religious person or not, there is cause and effect. And when you begin to look at a world that can't breathe, and you know that the trees are being clear cut and the forest are being burned, and that it's getting more difficult for everything to breathe, there's a message in that, that we've got to breathe. We can do what we can go without water actually for a few days. We can go without food for several days. We can go without sleep for several days. We can go with just about anything. And people have even fasted, uh, Gandhi fasted on, you know, just water for 40 days. Yeah. We cannot go, but, but just about a minute or something. I don't even know what it is exactly. Even with the strongest of lungs without breathing. So the breath, more than anything that we do, the breath connects us to this body and to having the human experience. But we also know from spiritual traditions, from, especially from the Far East, but to meditate, to pray, to take a deep breath, to slow down, that that opens up the psyche. It opens up other realms of possibilities for us. It alters our state of consciousness. So whether we hold our breath and don't breathe, or we breathe fast, or we use different breathing techniques, we are altering our consciousness. And it seems to be that our consciousness needs to be altered right now. It needs to be transformed in order to be able to see more clearly what's happening in our outer world, and how am I a part of that, and what's my part in it?
2: Yeah. I love that we're talking about this because you just hit on about four or five things that I've been so struck by over the past weeks. It's almost as if I am going back to my younger years in what I'm seeing politically and kind of in shock in a lot of ways. And then I was reading in the book that you and I kind of had like those early years, like a little party party moments in our lives. <laughs> but I think about those times. And when I think about party moments, when I was a teenager, they're really different now. And this is what I'm struck by with the book. And what I see is a call to action. It's as almost, we have forgotten that journey, that 60s, 70s journey. And While it achieved so much, it created generations of what I call faux freedom, because Ah. it gave us the illusion that we were done. Now, there were some people that went way on. I know that myself, I was on the East Coast. I went to all of the Bella Abs, the Gloria Steinem, and then with AIDS, the AIDS epidemic living in New York area, that was my thing. And then the 90s came and we were like, "All good. Oh, but wait, then we fought for uh, domestic partnership, gay rights, gay marriage. We did that a little bit more subtle, but the same momentum. And then we're done. And it's fascinating because I work with young women. And I remember about two years ago doing a little group with them. And there were two things I'm struck by, how unaware we are that as women, we don't have equal rights under the federal government. And then what I was aware of recently is that 100% of the women I interviewed didn't know there was an equal pay bill that got shut down. And so do we go through these cycles in your experience? And you could talk about this when we come back from break. Because I, I gotta get because I gotta get your Dr. Linda Starwolf, historic <laughs> cyclical wisdom. And the reason I'm asking is this is the comment before we go to break. My friend said to me, Pat, you know better than anybody you have to have something to fight for. And if you think you have it all. What are you fighting for? That's why almost every show I thank Greta Thunberg for being that person when we come back, how does shamanic breathwork encompass every aspect of the energy cycles in this lifetime, and past lifetimes? And Linda Starwolf is going to tell us if we are on the verge of forgetting. Benny, let's take a short break if we could. When we come back, I want to tell you how to find out more about the book. And we're going to talk about everything from shamanic breathwork to party girl, from party girl to shamanic priestess and radio host. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Life can be demanding. But sometimes our wheels are spinning and we're too focused on making them turn to notice we're stuck in the mud. Tune into The Pause with me, Ellen Wyoming Deloy, every second and fourth Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. Learn how to stop, reflect, and start moving forward with intention. And if you're really looking to jumpstart your personal development, schedule a free coaching consultation with me at ellenwyomingdeloy.com.
0: Know your own divine magic and extend peace and love to all with Reiki master and author Brett Bevel. Brett offers empowering solutions with energy healing modalities, magical awakening, and psychic Reiki. Brett's latest book, Healing Racism Within, A Lightworker's Guide, draws on his own journey of growing up in a racist community and healing childhood trauma. For more on the most cutting-edge energy healing techniques, visit brettbevel.com.
1: Tune into the Dr. Diane Show, where we explore a revolutionary expansion of mind, body, and soul every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I bring over 20 years of expertise as a mindset warrior, perspective shifter, and unshakable optimist dedicated to helping you reach your wildest dreams in business, health, performance, and relationships. Join the discussion on the show. Learn more about me, Dr. Diane, and receive a free digital copy of my magazine at naturalnutmeg.com. Hi, I'm Amber, your weekly host of the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align on transformationtalkradio.com. I'm here with co-host Austin, and we'd like to know, do you have a passion to make a greater global impact? Are you ready to embrace leading with heart and love? If so, join us and our global community of over 1 million strong on this journey to become heart leaders who change the world. Each episode brings heart-centered connection, building stronger relationships, communities, and businesses. Take a deeper dive into what it means to be a heart leader. For more information, visit www.swebera.org. We look forward to seeing you in the Suivera community. Can you truly say that you know and love yourself? Courtney Cottrell is an author, speaker, and 21-year active duty Master Chief with the U.S. Navy, here to encourage you to take back your power and live your life with intention and purpose. Tune in to Unapologetically Favored every fourth Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. Walk in your purpose. Visit unapologeticallyfavored.com to learn more about Courtney.
2: Hey, everybody, welcome back. We're talking about traumatic breathwork and so much more. For those of you out there, I just want you to know my very special guest today and the author of this incredible book is, as I said before, Dr. Linda Starwolf. I'm sure we have pictures of the book going up. Um, How can people find out about you? Can we take a moment and share the website and social media and also how they can get a copy of the book?
1: Sure. Um, well, the best way probably is to go to the website, which is shamanicbreathwork.org that's what I'm best known for and it's pretty easy to remember shamanicbreathwork.org and you can find out pretty much everything there. And of course I'm on social media and I have several pages on Facebook, Linda Starwolf or Starwolf and uh, Venus Rising, my organization, and Shamanic Breathwork. So I'm pretty easy to, I'm pretty easy to find.
2: Yes, you are. <laughs>
1: Um, and as far as the book goes, you know, I yes. to just um, go to Amazon. That's the best way. I mean, we ship people books and things, but it's easier. It's less expensive. And, you know, this for me, it's mainly about getting the message out. So, yeah.
2: And thank you for that. Um, during the break, I wanted to uh, I was telling you that I, I've i gone through the book and I, there was a couple of places that I've gotten to in the book. But this one in particular I think talks to where we left off before we went to break. And um, would you mind if I read it, read it out loud? And so in the chapter, the chapter is called the alchemy of frustration and solitude. And I found something really interesting in here that I totally resonated with. And I think all of you will as well. I think you will all get this. And there's a a couple of paragraphs. It starts with like this. I'm giving birth to myself. I am a mother and a midwife at the same time, like many other women of a new earth, of a new humanity, of a new ancient way, the way of the soul. And the pressure, the frustration, the loneliness were and are the necessary contractions that activate me to keep pushing so I can give birth to life. My sacred work is to inspire you to also give birth to your fullest potential, transforming your wounds and obstacles into medicine for yourself and our beautiful global tribe called humanity. That's what I meant when I said a call to action. See, Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of little, there are a lot of different ones, but that is your global call to action not just for you, but so beautifully said, and those contractions, I mean, you can feel them every day. Did this become sort of the foundational um, piece of work in this book for you, that message?
1: It really did. You know, in times like these, as we speak about, in times like these that are cyclical, that come up on this spiral path, when the intensity is so strong, For me, these are times, these are fiery times, you know, in the force of nature and the, you know, the power, the nature of change is involved in that is water energy, earth energy, fire energy, air energy, and the spirit that animates all of that. The great spirit, if you will, cosmic consciousness, that animates all of these energies. They're within us and they're outside. So the nature of change is always happening. But we do note that just as in nature, sometimes there's hurricanes, sometimes there's earthquakes right now. There's fires raging across the Southwest. And one of my friends has a beautiful retreat center and she said today it would probably be burned down, Oh, you know, and so the, you know, and, and she teaches fire walking, you know what I'm saying? I've got chills in my body just saying that. So it's like the, the nature of change, has, is always happening, it's not new. And we know there's epoch or epic times when these nature of change happens more for some reason, whether it's in relationship to the cosmos, to the outer planets that are circling around, or the sun, or whether it's some big design, whether it's uh, that's built in from the great mystery, whatever the reasons are, we human beings, just like the animals and the trees and the earth, water we're all activated by the changes as above so below as within so without so when these big changes are upon us for me i feel like i'm going to explode if i don't write if i don't write if i don't talk if i don't speak if i don't breathe if i don't create because that's what these energies are about they're about destruction of the old and creation of the new And anybody who's ever given birth to a child or a project, you know that you break apart the old to give birth to the new. And you yourself are transformed in that process. I was transformed in the writing of this book. I was transformed by the other stories in this book of many people who have taken our training, who are doing this work in the world, transformed by reading their stories and then collecting those stories together. And knowing that You know, as a midwife, you know, I'm a mama and I'm a grandmama, you know, and then I have many students and friends who've come through programs over the year that consider me their spiritual mother or grandmother. And so I feel a response ability to bring, you know what I'm saying? I do. Responsibility if I have any, if I've gleaned any bit of wisdom at all over the years to talk about change and to, you know, say to people, don't give up hope. You know, in the fires is when you're you're, tra- you're tested. It's in the fires, I believe, where we're most tested to see if we're going to, you know, be able to burn through to the other side. And it takes a lot to be able to keep breathing when you're in the fire. You know, when you're standing there energetically in the fires and keep breathing and trusting that you're going to make it through to a place that's more expansive where you can do what? come into air yeah and be literally or figuratively born into a new reality so we're doing that the world is doing that and the quality of what we're breathing and thinking and feeling as we're moving through and opening to is going to determine the new world that we're entering into the next era what it's going to look like
2: yeah. Isn't that is may I ask also in the book is this I got to very unexpectedly, by the way, but it was great to get there. Uh, dare to be you. I'm right? sorry, what? Yes, dare, dare to, be, dare you. to yeah. be you. And so I'm looking at dare to be you. <laughs> yes. You had to put it in the book. Right. And yet, There will be generations of people younger than you and I that will have to figure that out the way you and I did,
1: right? That's right. And the dare to be you, I mean, how can we be anything else? You know, I don't think that trees try to be rocks or rocks try to be, you know, robins or, you know, everything is being itself in its perfection, And if we're called to be something and to be evolved into something, you know, it would have been a lot easier for me at some level. Growing up, you've talked about Kentucky and, you know, I grew up in Kentucky, so I'm aware of the, you know, the uh, derby, but growing up in Kentucky, it would have been so much easier to be somebody else other than who I am. And I have been accused. And I, you know, now I I kind of go like, yeah, well, maybe I am a witch, but I have been (laughs) accused of a lot of things that I didn't have a consciousness about. Maybe I was picked, they were picking up on a past life or something. I don't know, you know? Um, but I had to be me, you know, if there's this song, uh, it's singing about somebody else saying it had to be you. Yeah, exactly. No one else would do. Well, I had to sing that to myself. It had to be you. I had to be me. And I believe that that is a a real problem, okay, is that people feel like that they have to conform or even transform themselves into something that they're not. And it takes daring. It takes courage to say right or wrong, you know, high or low. I don't know why, but this is what I have to be. And if I don't, I don't feel well. I don't feel well physically. I don't feel well mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I feel disconnected, you know, and I don't seem to, um, you know, be in alignment with the the natural world. I don't seem to be in alignment with the spiritual world and synchronicities, um, things do not flow. And the moment I take a breath, literally, even just one and drop my shoulders and surrender and, and I just go. Okay, who am I and what am I supposed to be doing? Just show me, I'll do it. Yeah. Things completely shift and all heaven and earth moves and the ways part for me to come out of the fire and into the air where I can breathe again, where there's spaciousness around me, where I'm like, wow, why was I resisting that so hard just to be who I am? Just to dare to be who I am. Why is that such a threat?
2: Yeah. And let me ask this question because, you know, I think that we've had a glimpse of it. And I have a little theory. And I don't know if this is in the spirit of shamanic practices, principles. But my mom used to say, something like, you only get what you can handle. That was her version of it. Mm. And what I think is fascinating is that if you look at the series of events over the past years, I think the only reason we didn't explode over the events of the world and the events that were happening you know, watching a man getting beautifully, right, was because the COVID solitude and the COVID restrictions kept us contained, but not restrained. You know what I'm saying? It kept us here. And now we're not here anymore. Even with that, people did step forward how do we find what we are really and truly believing and passionate about to the point of doing something? You know, I had a friend that uh, from another um, country, say, in, in a broken accent, you're going through a phase of complacency there, talking here in this country. And I thought, have to think about that. Is that true? Because I'm not tapped into the outside world. I am tapped into what happened, what's happening in Canada. But isn't it interesting that there is a call now to rise up. You see, you're, you're now born. Now you got to stand up. Now you got to rise up. What does that mean to you, Linda?
1: Well, you know, for one thing, I, I think that we have to take into consideration that our country is still a young country.
2: Thank you. That's what okay. I said, too. <laughs> you
1: know, yeah, I no, It's like, you know, wait a minute. Just hold on a second. OK, Yeah, just back you know, we're up. Not totally, buddy. We're not totally screw ups here. You know, it's yeah. like, we, you know, we've done some good things. But but it's true what we are a young country. Other countries have uh, things. Have, you know, the the governments have risen and fallen and risen and fallen and risen and fallen. and. You know the religions have even changed in in the countries and, and that sort of thing and you know they're still fighting over border lines with things about religions and things like that but we're a much younger country now when i say that in respect and because i live just a few miles from cherokee in respect and honoring to my you know native brothers and sisters here in this country um you know the the first peoples perhaps or some of the first peoples that were here they had a country <laughs> they had a world um, you know, and it wasn't the United States, and they had their own governances and their own tribes and, you know, uh, and ways of doing things and making decisions and living in harmony or not, you know, with different tribes throughout the, the country here, as we know it. Uh, but the country here was even divided up and belonged to different countries from other countries, you know. So the the country that we talk about now is the United States, which I'm not sure how united they've always really been been
2: oh okay yeah, yeah and you know yeah.
1: people talking about secession all the time and have been especially in more in the last eight or ten or twelve years yeah okay who knows what's going to happen with the united states i think it's important for people to remember that that we're still relatively young and this country is still deciding it's the, its next iteration of what it wants to be and there was in some way yeah, i could say almost like a golden age even with all the um, struggle and light and dark and politics and uprisings and revolutions in the 1960s and 70s. But for a period of time, it said, this is who we are going to become. And people kind of said, yeah, this makes sense. This is reasonable. This is right. And that sort of thing that seemed to be, maybe it was all the LSD, but but people kind of had their minds open. They had a high level of consciousness. And there was this sense of, You know, live and let live and um, human rights, really looking at animal rights and forest rights and river rights and all kinds of rights and that sort of thing. There's always, it seems, from what I've studied in the cycles of change, that there's always a backlash that comes back around. The bigger the front, the bigger the back, that says, were you serious about that? Did you really mean it, you know? because the world moves, the planets move, we move the the oxygen on our cells move in a spiral pattern. So we're at another point on the wheel where we all get to look in this country and say, did we really mean it as a whole, that all people are created equal and all people should have these rights and responsibilities or not? And that's what's up. And I don't know. I really can't tell just yet how that's going to turn out. I think we're in the fire cycle of it. But I think that that it's interesting with COVID, I think that that we've been in a pressure cooker where we've had some time to percolate on it. And I feel that we're, it's, you know, we saw some of the eruption last year. Okay. I think we're going to see more of an eruption, more fire. Uh, before we move into a place of coming on out into the air, and that this is the new era that we're going to be in in this country, I have quite a few friends who've left this country. Yeah, you know, yeah. I have friends who went to Barcelona. I have friends who've gone to Mexico. You know, friends to Bali, and you know, I have a, a retreat home here in the beautiful mountains of Western North Carolina, and I just kind of try to live my life and live and let live up here, and you know, things are good you know, but I don't know what will happen with the world.
2: I think you're right about this though. And, you know, if we really stop to think about it, because, you know, when you talk with us about, you know, um, Venus rising association for transformation, there's transformation, there's transmutation. And the way you just described this is beautifully because we forget, you know, I thought about, South Africa the other day. And I had to pinpoint the time frame because I lost sight of the time frame. But it wasn't too long ago. Right? That South Africa was a very different south. I'm not saying it's all perfect over there. Right. I'm right. not saying that. But it wasn't too long ago where that was an atrocity. Yes. And what was going on there was an atrocity. But that atrocity didn't pop up overnight. That was the boiling pot, the percolating, and the rising up. And we, like you say, within ourselves, there's the micro, there's the macro. I just wonder as I'm reading your book, and I'm reading, especially about you know, before we talk about the great mystery, what it means about making make a noise. And I'm thinking to myself where's our threshold? You know, what is that breaking point? Because my mama is from the south. Mm -hmm. And she I got to tell you, she would agree to you a million. My my stepmama would tell you, there is still a north and a south. And she says, we don't even know anything about the West. Forget those people. She was (laughs) like, she was like, there's a north, there's a south, but she was a very open progressive, you know, Mm -hmm. You know, my grandparents were great, but she would always talk about that. She said, don't live the illusion that you think everybody is okay with everybody. You have to be okay with everybody. But what I love about what you do in this book is you remind us that we all have the ability and the capability of figuring out who we are, knowing what we believe in, making some noise but let us not forget the great mystery. Mm-hmm. Let us not forget more about how. See, she, my mama was always about how she would say, you know, what you do in the world is going to be great, but how you get there, that's what's going to leave a mark on your soul one way or the other. Mm. Are we learning about the how now?
1: I and think do we so. have
2: to learn that for ourselves too?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think that, each generation has to learn those lessons you know it's not no one can do those things for us that's not the the destiny of the human soul or at least from how i see it you know it's like you know how do we know that we're here where we're you know where we are and that we're supposed to be here and what we're doing because of we're doing it we're here and we're doing it you know that sounds maybe a little trite but it's not Uh -uh. you know i i you know i i think it would be more arrogant to believe that there isn't um, a drama that's supposed to be playing out—that the you know that it would be to say, "Oh well, it's just all random." Uh, I think you know the humility is to say, you know, I really have this sense, you know, if we if we take a deep breath and go within, that as chaotic as things are, they are as they're supposed to be at this moment. Um, If you walk into a birthing room when someone's giving birth and mama's screaming and the doctors and midwives are running around and all of a sudden there's blood and then there's this, you know, this little creature that's a mess. And, you know, it's like you could say, how can that be sacred or how can that be okay? You know, but that's happening in our psyches. That's happening with everything we're doing. It is from my perspective that we are in the shamanic delivery room and that we're a hot mess and that not just here in the United States, but around the world yes. and that everybody's kind of running around trying to say, you know, push, push and keep breathing, keep breathing. We're almost there. And, you know, we're just a breath. We're always just a breath away from a rebirth. And so if it's, if it's true, that we came from the stars or from someplace else or the heart, mind of creator, great mystery, great spirit, whatever you want to call it, Elvis, I don't care, you know, that, that wherever we came from, the, these beings that we are, these star beings that we are, that came and implanted ourselves in human beings and came out into this world. We came here to obviously be in nature, and to be forces within nature self, Because human beings can take nature, I was thinking about it the other day, I was looking at a frame, I, well, somebody cut a tree, then they did this and that, and then they did that, and then they put a, had to make a glass, and then they did this, and then the person I took it to, uh, he had to do a whole process of framing. All of this stuff came from nature, you know, including the the print that I gave him to put it in, you know. But whoever thought about that, let's do this and we can make frames, let's do this and we can make the uh, siding to a house, do this and we can make something to put on the roof called roofing and do this and we can make cars. I mean, where did this all come from? These were all things that were being birthed from consciousness and all of them had to go through chemical changes and had to go from the raw materials to the new thing that it developed into And so human beings are reenacting this all the time with everything we construct and everything we deconstruct and everything that comes out of our consciousness. And we, you know, many, I think that most of us are thinking that this will make life better. Yeah. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And we go, "Oops, that probably wasn't the best use of time and energy. You know, nuclear power plants may not have been the best idea after all. But at least for a while, it looked like everybody had electricity. You know, but here we are, you know, uh, as the creators now, the co-creators, and we are evolving to the next octave. I truly believe that. I don't know what that looks like exactly. We've evolved over time, and we're in a huge evolutionary phase right now. But I do believe that it has something to do with owning, really owning who it is that we are, that we are elemental beings that we breathe things into life, just like it says that the creator breathed us into life and that we're waking up of how much power we have and we're getting to decide the kind of human beings we want to be.
2: Yeah, I was so glad to go from the part of the book where you describe this beautifully um, and it's in Living in Wholeness where you say, imagine seeing your life as a boy, have I done this before? Imagine seeing your life as a shattered mirror, each piece a reflection of you, but at the same time, separate from the others. And you go on to talk about it, you say, at that moment, the answer became quite clear, as to where all the feelings were coming from. And you went on to tell more and more of this story. But I was, I, I hung on that for a minute to really think about that and really feel it. And I I I've tried to imagine how often in my life I have felt like that. And and as I kept on reading, it was fascinating for me to get to the part that even with that, we're gonna get to howl at the moon, <laughs> right? Because that's where you're taking us. You're saying all of this is here. You get to howl at the
1: room, and in the end honor your true self right yes you know there's a part of us that's always going to be feral it's always going to be wild you know and um you know i was just with my my friend don miguel ruiz oh yeah uh, we were uh every year he has his uh, he calls it the gathering of the shamans out in sedona in the desert at mago retreat centers usually a couple of hundred people that come and there's a and he invites six or seven of us there every year to come and teach with him and you know he's um such a beautiful soul he is and as part of his team you know he talks to us a lot about domestication you know and about um you know, there, there are certain things we need to do to be able to live in harmony with others and to respect others boundaries and those sort of things. But the domestication of human beings um, has stolen our souls a lot. So it's really important to break out of that. You know, it's okay to be domestic, whatever that means, you know, like to sweep the floors and pay the bills and, to, you know, in other words, to chalk wood and carry water. But we can't forget our freedom we can't forget that we were really born free, right? We were born free and we will die free quite frankly, you know? And in between the the birth and the death, you know, how free are we going to Mm -hmm. live? And that doesn't mean, oh, I'm free to do whatever I want to do and not respect this person or that, or, you know, run over or impose on anybody, you know, anything else. But there has to be an inner freedom to make the choices that we need to make for ourselves. And I think this is a big part of what we are seeing politically right now. Do human beings have the right to make decisions about their bodies, right. about their beliefs, about what they adhere to, you know, and we you know, at times we can change our beliefs and that's okay too, because beliefs are just beliefs. But again, I would hope that our beliefs would become an upgrade you know, on that spiral path. And it would include not only my own desires and needs, but also take into consideration the other as well. And that is, I believe, a more expanded consciousness. Yes. You know, it, I think that we do have to um, embody fully who we are and not be domesticated or shrink or be less than who we are. I don't think anybody needs to do that for anybody else. OK, if I do that, I'm really just doing it for my, for myself so that someone doesn't judge me, you know, so but to fully be that. But that also means the liberty to for others to be who they are as well.
2: That is the end so, game. Important. I mean, I, I yeah, I couldn't have grown up with two different parents, my dad and my stepmom. And both of them represent represented complete polar opposites of a political spectrum. And I love to see when they could actually move closer to the middle. And, you know, as young girls and my brother, of course, um, you know, my brother spent much more time with my dad, but us girls spent a lot of time with our mom. And, you know, to have the influence of her literally saying what you just said was so critical for us girls growing up. And yet, you know, here is this southern woman thrown into the Bronx, New York, <laughs> and you thought she wouldn't survive, but she had her first child at twelve and second child at thirteen. Wow! And there's something you learn from that. But yeah. what you're what you're bringing full circle for us in in the book and in shamanic breathwork is the cyclical nature of things, and we could either be static in that whirlpool, or we could take the ride. And I think that is where we're now starting to see ourselves making choices. What is the thing that will get somebody to raise their voice? Right? What would be that thing? What's close to you? Um, But what you're guiding us through is to bring it full circle. And remember, we're on a spiritual plane as well. Aren't you doing that as well?
1: Yes. You know, when something hits home for people, they begin to be more interested in it. As long as it's out there, it's not affecting them. You know, if it's not affecting me, I don't have to worry about it. But I believe that our consciousness is changing, especially when, you know, like with the pandemic, it's like, um the for me the main awareness of that is how we were one planet that was the, that was the positive outcome of that for me you know is that these imaginary lines that people are going in and out of and the different restrictions of coming in and out and the different requirements and all these things and it was like you know at the end of the day you know like we went to Egypt in in December you know and it's like um I was just so aware and that was the first time I would traveled in a while And I was a little reluctant about it. We put that trip off for a couple of years and people were waiting and waiting and they wanted to go and we went and it was wonderful. We sailed down the Nile and we went to sacred sites. We did breath work on a sailboat, Felt going down the Nile. I mean, it was, you know, and in the King's Chamber, it was like amazing, you know, this incredible experience. Um, And, you know, the Egyptian people were so happy to see us because about 75% of how they earn their living there is through tourism. Yeah, and they were yeah. just like, you know, you would have thought we walked on water. We were the gods, you know, sort of thing. And they were, and they always are. I've been there several times, but they always are loving and grateful. But they were especially like, thank you for coming back. Thank you. And I felt like we were on a mission, you know, <laughs> not not only for ourselves to have, a, you know, these experiences, but to, I feel like some of the biggest uh, spiritual uh, experiences were with the people and being able to, you know, create commerce again and, and yes. for them, that was, So it felt like that felt good. And they're like, please tell your friends to visit and come back. And I'm like, I will. So I am now. Go to Egypt. It's wonderful. The people are wonderful. I love it there. I feel safer there than I do here. (laughs) That's my truth.
2: Well, I I just did a, a show the other day. We were talking about ISIS, the Egyptian people, the collectivist nature of things. What does that mean to understand collectivism? And, you know, having spent that time with Don Miguel, oh, my gosh, right? Um, he was one of the first amazing souls that I met when I started this journey 20 years ago, and he wrote, may I? Yes. He wrote one of the most simplistic books on the planet that no one can actually implement on a consistent (laughs) basis.
1: It's (laughs) It's like, what?
2: I I I got, I was so excited about the four agreements and then I was really trying to do it. And you know, I love that because they're principles to live by. I don't yeah. ever think he meant it to be about perfection, but neither do you. No, no, no.
1: Uh, it's the, you know, and and I love Don Miguel. He's, he's so humble and so sweet and so kind and loving and. So i felt really privileged that for the last seven years, I've been able to go out and be a part of his team and, yeah, and we beautiful. do the shamanic breath work. He loves it. And so, you know, we have people lying, we have like, you know, 150 people or 200 people lying down on mats on this huge floor in a huge conference room with shamanic music going and breathing and people walking around, rebirthing people and helping heal their hearts and helping them beat on pillows or helping them do whatever they need to do. It's like, it almost looks like an insane asylum, you know, (laughs) And if you looked at the door and you didn't know what was going on, you'd turn around and run the other way, you know, but afterwards, everybody is just so in love and they're on in this circle and there's this energy and Don Miguel just gave me this big hug. And he just said, this is so beautiful. And that's why he's had me back for seven years to do this. Um, he is, uh, he just, he reminds me of grandmother Twala, who was my Seneca Wolf Clan grandmother, my adopted grandmother, uh, in in the simplicity, you know, and uh, one time I was doing breath work and she came in and sat in a chair. She was 90 years old, yeah. sat in the chair in the middle of the room and we everybody was lying around on the floor breathing, 30 or 40 people doing the breath work and, you know, going through and, and afterwards... I went over to say, what did you think, Graham? You know, just wouldn't, and and her eyes are about this big, you know, she looked at me and she said, I wish I'd known about this earlier.
2: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, yeah. listen, Linda, thank you so much for, for this body of work. Thank you for continuing, you know, the work that you do. Um, you'll have to come back because one of the things we didn't talk about that I wanted, you know, I needed a a little bit negative, a little bit of time is spiritual torment, but you didn't leave anything out. Again, tell people how they can find out about you and how they can get a copy of the book. Thank you for today. Mm
1: -hmm. And thank you, Dr. Pat. I know that you are uh, dedicated on this path of transformation and helping our planet and doing your Dharma in the world. So I just want to acknowledge you and thank you. I love it. Since the first time you interviewed me all back when I was living in California. Thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, You can go to shamanicbreathwork.org.